What up? What's up, y'all? Welcome to the second episode of the This Is Not That podcast sponsored by Simpson Action of Wisconsin. I'm one of your hosts, Joanna Bouch. It's good to be back here with the homies. Go ahead, y'all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, again, I'm Isaiah. I'm a local journalist. I'm with the Wisconsin Examiner, and I am one of the hosts as well. But yeah, Raphael Smith, uh, Climate Equity Director at Citizen Action, and Great to be back for a second week, or yeah, second, this is our second episode, second episode. Mm-hmm. This is not that. Yeah, just as mentioned, uh, we just kind of wanted to pick up where we left off the last time, uh, and we kind of left off with kind of reviewing uh, the last year protest movement and kind of what that resulted in, um, in terms of kind of like what people were asking for and what elected officials ended up responding to. Um, some of those were legislative proposals and things like that, and some of them were uh, were uh, changes within police departments. You know, uh, was there anything that uh, popped out or jumped out to either of y'all that you wanted to mention? Or, well, you know me, I'm in the movement politics realm, so I was like looking at that legislation all down from you know the recommendations that came from the Assembly Task Force that Voss put together. Um, down to, you know, the Senate, the bills that came out of the Senate, and even the most recent, the Enough is Enough uh, package by Representative Bowen and Representative Hong. I mean, I know, I think, what was it? The, the week, I think it was last week, I went to a press conference hosted by Block um, directly responding to some of those recommendations that came from that assembly committee, um, or that task force from the assembly, um, you know, saying that it wasn't enough, you know, those recommendations weren't good enough. It's not what the community was asking for. Um, you know, I thought Angela Lang did a really great job of, uh, articulating that, you know, it's okay to, to not have come up with, with the ideal plan, the first round and like admit that y'all need to go back to the drawing board. And I wish that some of our representatives would feel that way too, you know, and then, and then this, a uh, package of uh, of legislation came from, rep- like I said, Representative Bowen and Hong, where, where we, I do think some things went went far enough, but I'd love to hear what y'all think. Um, Isaiah, I know you wrote some articles about the, le- the bills that we saw coming from the Senate. You know, what do you, what's your take on it? What do you think? Are we like, is it far enough? Do you agree with Black? Do you, uh, what's, yeah. what's your guys' stance? I mean, yeah. So, uh, uh, so uh, in terms of the actual legislation that came out, it kind of came came in kind of phases almost because um, uh, first you had these uh, bipartisan bills that were really pushed by Lena Taylor and um, uh, Van uh, Wangard, both senators, uh, and that was kind of like this big mixed bag of different legislative proposals. Some of them are things like cop houses, which are essentially kind of more, 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 you know, putting more police in certain neighborhoods and in a very surveillance house. Surveillance house, that's right. Yeah, it, it feels like it could become that kind of thing. It's like a very localized kind of community oriented policing or cops approach, uh, literally that acronym uh, approach to things. Uh, but then there are other bills that Lena was particularly um, uh, excited about in terms of like adding um, more of a structured 
structure or protections to whistleblowers, uh, officers who see use of force incidences and want to speak up about it to a supervisor or something like that. So it kind of came in phases like that. And now we're kind of at this end phase where uh, David Bowen is and uh, and a representative Wong are pushing these uh, enough is enough bills, which is literally a chant that the protests say. And, and one of those that stuck out to me was prohibiting warrior training in officers um, and um, uh, kind of adding uh, more layers of independence to police shooting investigations. And uh, then we have Supreme War Mokunde who has a bill trying to prevent job hopping. So officers who may resign or get fired at one department, they can just get a job in another department. They kind of uh, put a, a stop to that, a, a stop period to that, or at least that's, that's what Supreme's bill is trying to do. So there is a, a, a this wide ranging kind of sets of bills. And I think some of them speak more to what the protesters and the movement were trying to achieve. And some of them are just kind of just like, this is what we could get out, out on the table. Yeah. Well, that's the, to me, that's the shame of it. I mean, it sounds like they hear the people, but they don't listen to the people. Because the people were calling for abolishing the police and defunding the police, right? Because <laughs> at its core, you you have very structural problems, right? Like the, the cops are usually reactionary. They come after a crime happens. And what are a lot of the organizing, the people in the street and the people that were calling for defunding the police it was like, we need to take a different tack to crime and the way we react to crime. And part of it is flooding the community with resources be preventative, work on the preventative side, right? I mean, community centers rather than uh, cop houses, right? That type of core difference in how we go out and go about the future of policing. And it just feels like, to me, it feels like we just kind of fell back into like easy solutions for a very difficult and complex problem, right? And yeah. you gotta really listen to the impacted people. And if if you don't think it's politically, uh, real realistic for us to get a defunded police and you tell the people that but you do not present them with piecemeal reforms and that's how i feel about it yeah and then just one very quick thing like some of the bills in that first set of bipartisan bills were directly antithetical to some of those uh principles of what the protesters were asking for specifically defunding so one of the bills pushed by the the GOP side of those of that bill package was decreasing. So if if Milwaukee say tried to defund the police, then they they take then their shared revenue uh, gets decreased to that. So basically, kind of holding uh, trying to prevent defunding in local yeah. municipalities by kind of holding the municipality hostage. So it, you know it, it wasn't just kind of yeah. There is like this this watered down kind of policy approaches, but then there are some that were just completely opposite, you know? Yeah, I think that what we're, we're not seeing, you know, a lot of creativity, right? Like it's kind of, oh, let's, let's talk about training and let's talk about, you know, rules for, for police, you know, police officers and, you know, the different precincts and, and whatnot, but really like, I believe that people are asking for a conversation on funding and services from other departments. Like, like, let's have that conversation. Like, great. You know, some of this legislation is great. Like when I think of Supreme's um, 
proposal proposed bill, right? Like, um, I immediately think of, of Michael Mattioli, right? Being charged with first degree homi reckless homicide, right? And um, having the opportunity to leave his job instead of like being fired, right? While he was being investigated, he had, he had all of that. And so I can see that how that directly impacts, you know, a situation like that, right? But like, what are we doing or what conversations are we having so that that incident never even took place, right? Like, what are we doing so that we're not seeing any more, you know, police murders or harm done by police to our com communities, right? Like, um, and I think that that's the conversation that our elected officials aren't having. Um, they're not being creative. Um, you know, they're going back to the same old thinking, you know, how can we change the current structure instead of thinking of a new structure or investing in some of our current structures that we know aren't getting adequate funding, right? That we know are have been, you know, have been decreased in funding for, for years. Yeah, and it doesn't match the urgency of the, uh, of the problem, right? I mean, that specifically, yeah, is, is, is definitely something that we need, but that's another reactionary thing, right? That's after the cop has done something that will force them to fire them, right? That's after, that's not preventative. And that's another right. dead body, right? This is how people are dying, right? People are dying and living oppressed lives dealing with the police. So we, had, I think it goes back to what you were talking about, Joanna. We need to get more creative, right? And we have enough power in the city. We have seven, uh, at the local level, we have seven black alders, right? That's a lot of power, right? Not to mention- In Milwaukee, side. yeah. Yeah, in Milwaukee, right? That's a lot of power. And if we can't get that something really impactful and really listen to people here at the local level with that many uh, local elected officials who come from impacted communities, then what does that say about the power that we have to do anything, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right. And I would say like our, you know, I would say that like our specifically like our Milwaukee Common Council, like they have, they know, right? Like, and I think that they see and want also like the a better relationships, right? Like with police or, or, you know, they don't, they also don't want to see more bodies, right? More dead bodies. I know that, but I think it's the strategy, the approach. It's like, we are not clearly not on the same page on how we get to this solution of not having more, you know, dead black bodies, brown bodies, right? Like people harm to harm to communities of color. Um, and so we got to take a quick, quick break. Um, this is the, this is not that podcast. We will be right back. All right. Yeah. So uh, we're back from our break. This is the This Is Not That podcast. I'm Isaiah, one of the hosts. Um, and we left off with um, kind of taking more of a deep dive into some of the different proposals that have been going around and which are more or less responses to the uh, police accountability movement that sprang out of 2020. Um, and I just wanted to mention just really quickly, you know, there are there's there's the legislation which which uh, some of the pro, uh, some of the people marching and protesters and the residents are not uh, wholly satisfied with. But then there are also other things that kind of that they kind of happen throughout the year, right? So in terms of the police chiefs in Milwaukee and Wauwatosa, for example, um, you know uh, uh, there is the whole issues of 
in Milwaukee, Police Chief Alfonso Morales getting demoted and then the issues with the Fire and Police Commission and then having his rank restored but not really being the chief. We Milwaukee still has the acting chief, Jeffrey Norman. And uh, it, it, today on this recording, it's, it's uh, June 7th, on June 1st, uh, Chief Barry Weber in Wauwatosa retired uh, officially uh, 31 years at the helm of or I, I don't even want to say at the home, really sitting on the throne of, of, of this, uh, of, uh, of this department and its strategies. And, uh, and uh, right now there is a acting chief who was promoted from a captain who uh, had a lot to do with a lot of the things that Tosa PD was doing to the protests as well, but they just announced some acting chiefs, right? They, uh, and, and Jeffrey Norman, who is the acting chief or sorry, they uh, just announced some candidates for the chief of Wauwatosa. Uh, uh, and one of them is Jeffrey Norman, who's currently the acting chief of Milwaukee. So uh, there are some things like that too, some shakeups in the departments and um, some policy changes, um, uh, a ban on chokeholds coming out of the FPC and et cetera, that were kind of separate from what the electeds are kind of pushing. I'm curious what you think, Isaiah, about these changes in the Wauwatosa Police Department, you know, with, with their police chief. I mean, I, I believe I read this article by you from the Wisconsin Examiner talking about, like, the Wauwatosa Police Department is just wild, essentially, right? Like, the mayor has no control. You know, the city council has no control. Um, mm. They kind of just do whatever, the, whatever they want, right? Like, we... Yeah, like we saw it. Um, like, what do you think these changes are going to do for that department, if anything? Well, well, I think that Barry Weber leaving the former chief of 31 years, I think that him leaving is kind of like the end of an uh, the end of an era. And it's the opportunity for the city of Wauwatosa and its police department to enter into a new era. Um, the uh, Along with Chief Weber leaving, 11% um, of the department left. So 14 staff members, uh, 10 or 11 officers, including Weber. And I remember, it's kind of just a funny coincidence. Uh, I remember uh, back, way back in the summer when uh, Tosa PD uh, had to say, okay, we're consider a body camera program now. Chief Weber came with this entourage of like 11, or 12 officers who all left in a convoy once he left, presumably to protect him from the protesters or something. It wasn't really clear why they were all there, but that was about 11% of the department too. They only have 95 officers. Some of those officers who left were also supervisors who were involved in some of the things involved uh, that they were doing to the protesters, you know, um, all these kinds of really heavy handed tactics they were doing. So I think that it's, it's interest, it'll be interesting to see uh, what a change in a new chief would bring if, if it would be a culture change or something. Because I think that we're all Milwaukee residents and I think that at one point or another, we've all probably had some kind of a negative relationship with either Wauwatosa or some of the other uh, surrounding suburban communities, mm -hmm. unfortunately. But I'm interested in how the new bills, um, the Supreme Moral Makunde bill, Lena Taylor bill, how would that impact uh, what's going on in Wauwatosa? Um, like these officers that's leaving, was Supreme's bill to ask to de what is that classify or what is it? Decertify. Decertify. Thank you. Decertify. Will that impact or how will that impact the future of Wauwatosa policing? You think? 
Well, you know, Supreme's bill was drafted uh, with Joseph Menso, the former Wauwatosa officer who killed three people of color over a five-year period. It was drafted with him particularly in mind because with Joseph Mensa, he was able to resign um, his position after a long um, kind of debate and battle amongst the city, like not only within the city administration, but also with the protesters and the police, um, uh, just debates and everything. Um, after all that, resigned and got a job with a letter of recommendation from Chief Weber. He got a job mm -hmm. at the uh, Waukesha County Sheriff's Department. That's a little concerning because that's a department. Joseph Mensa was then leaving a department uh, which was which had dash cameras, which was going to get body cameras, and was going to another department which has neither of those. Mm. And uh, and uh, and it's it's a very easy transition. What Supremesville would do is it, it essentially would decertify the officer for a period of time, so there's kind of a stop there's a kind of a stop period enforced and then the local police and fire commission or citizen review board would have to uh you know uh essentially approve that hire so if they want us such an officer then they can then it's more than willing you know they'll be able to do that but there has to be that kind of stop period that's what supreme's bill is saying and then the warrior training aspect of uh, of uh, Bowen of, of the package that Bowen released, which Lena Taylor is on that as well. Um, not only in Wauwatosa, but in Kenosha and in Milwaukee, uh, through these uh, civil unrest and riot situations, which is really the worst of it. More regularly, you just saw officers just accosting and ambushing protesters and surveilling them. Um, you, you know, you can see the militarized mentality and culture uh, uh, displayed right in front of you and deconditioning uh, officers from that would probably be beneficial as well. So uh, yeah, there's a few of these and then there's some of these bills that affect police and fire commission votes, you know, needing a super majority uh, versus just a simple majority to achieve certain things. Uh, so I think that there's a variety of these bills that could touch on things uh, that were of issue with Wauwatosa. Um, some of them uh, wouldn't uh, really strike super hard at some of the major issues though, but it would chip away at some of them. And if I'm a member of like, I'm a member of Citizen Action or just a concerned citizen period of like Wauwatosa, with this, I know it's an acting uh, chief, right? But they have five, you said five uh, candidates for uh, chief. How can people get involved? How can people, participate in the next part of the hiring process or at least let their voices be heard. Yeah, there's, there's uh, in Tosa, there's three uh, candidates for, for, a, for a chief and they're all former or current Milwaukee officers actually. Um, one of them served with Haida, uh, which is a high intensity drug trafficking area. It's like a drug, uh, high, high end drug unit basically. Um, uh, the other, uh, guy is uh, Jeffrey Norman, who's the acting chief currently. Um, and Jeffrey Norman's a guy who kind of, uh, he seems to say a lot of the right things. So we'll see what happens. And then um, with, and then the last candidate is, um, is uh, a Milwaukee officer. His last name is um, Salazar. And he has a big, uh, he has a lot of links to Milwaukee PD's intelligence units, which kind of makes me both both him and the Hyde guy make me a little concerned with in terms of privacy policies at the department and kind of what they would bring to the department. Are you going to 
change the culture or are you just going to give them access to more technology? So uh, right now, the acting chief in Tosa is a guy named uh, uh, Luke Vetter, who was a captain and again, involved in a lot of these protest actions uh, and signed off personally a signature on like the operations plan for the curfew in Wauwatosin, et cetera. How can people get involved? Uh, the police and fire commission has been putting out these uh, uh, public surveys and uh, collecting questions from the public to post the chief candidates. Uh, and uh, and, and uh, in that way, they've been taking input. Um, it, I think that ultimately their, their final decision will show how much they actually listened to that public input. You know, some of these um, opportunities for community members to, to quote, give their public input are such a sham. <laughs> you know, like, I, I think you're right. Like, we'll see um, if they took any of the community input with, with their decision making. Well, we had you know, a movement I, of tens of thousands of people going out into the streets and, uh, and uh, we still are having debates around uh, chokeholds. So yeah, <laughs> where we are exactly. at <laughs> in the progress. It's funny because exactly. the chokehold thing is like that there's legislation in, in, in these bills that deal with chokeholds, but then there's also like, other, like departments and fire and police commissions just chose to independently restrict or ban them as well. So it's like, we didn't need the bills, you know? It's an interesting conversation to have. So I know we're about to roll into our, our next uh, segment and where we're going to talk about ultimately what people are fighting for and what do the community really want to see. Um, but uh, yeah, any way we can start getting folks to uh, be a part of the process and get politicians and people in power to listen to the grassroots, we need to make that happen ASAP. So with that, I think we're going to probably roll into our roll into our break. Um, yes, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the This Is Not That podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joanna, along with the homies. Isaiah Holmes. <laughs> Raphael Smith. And where we left off, we were talking about the bills that were introduced by different uh, politicians at different levels of government. But I think this segment, we should really focus on what are like ultimately some of the things that people are fighting for and what they've been fighting for over the last year and what's some of the results that the community wants to see. And I think first and foremost is folks really came on the street and the demand you heard at the beginning of the movement throughout the last year is defunding the police. Am I correct on that? Y'all can yeah, agree. Yeah. What do y'all see, like Joanna, what do you see um, with us and where we are when it comes to defunding the police and people's demands? And you think we're any closer to that? No, <laughs> I don't think we are. Um, you know, I think that there's a level of education that needs to be around, done around defund the police, right? And I don't think that that's happening. Like we're not having active conversations around like what that really means. And I think that, you know, we see a lot of people just like shy away from the conversation. They don't want to have it um, for whatever reasons, right? Like have their, their various reasons. Um, but that's, that's obviously part of the problem. Like we're not even talking about it in a real way that, you know, in, in, a, in a real conversation. Um, and I think that we, you know, talked about that a little bit in the first segment when we talked about these proposed legislations by our different elected officials. You know, they're all talking about 
what we can do with the police system, right? Like what we can do with law enforcement, whether it be, um, you know, different resources, you know, de-training de them on, you know, this warrior training, right? Like, so we're, we're expecting them to unlearn this stuff. All of this stuff is focused on the police, all the officers, what they can do, how can we, you know, hold them accountable, things like that. We're not talking about more funding for our mental health facilities. We're not talking about an alternative to, um, you know, sending out law enforcement, right? Like when it's um, for, you know, categorizing like the different 911 calls and what they really need, like are, we're, we're not talking about that data. Like what do, what, what's the breakdown of 911 calls, right? Do they really need a law enforcement officer at every single 911 call? Like, where's that conversation? Um, and I think that that's, for me, like, that's what I mean about, like, the creativity. Like, we're not, we're not, like, we're just looking forward instead of, you know, eyes wide open, looking to the left and looking to the right. And, yeah, that's my thoughts about that. Yeah, and I, I think you can kind of see that, that, that lack of creativity with policies with, at least in Milwaukee, with the, uh, with the issue of, um, uh, traffic enforcement and the reckless driving issue because the city's response and a lot of the alders' responses and a lot of them are uh, are African American and um, their response was to kind of beef up, uh, create a, a unit around reckless driving and then have it kind of function really not dissimilar to we're going to pull people over and issue citations and people who really can't pay them off. And some of the criteria that I've heard that they're kind of picking as to who, what makes a reckless driver is the same principles of, you know, similarly, they're, they're really not unlike kind of a stop and frisk kind of mentality because the idea is like, okay, well, if your car has dents in it and you're running around without insurance or uh, registration that I can then I can make the assumption that you're a reckless driver so that I'm going to pull you over and give you a ticket it, it's functionally the same thing and we're going through a stop and frisk lawsuit are we not so um we're not going through it it's it's over and we have to comply the city has to comply to it and, it, and it's trying or at least it says it's trying uh you know and in terms of defunding no I don't I don't necessarily think that uh, in terms of that particular policy push, uh, uh, the public or the city is any closer to that. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, there's a bill on the books to punish municipalities for trying to defund. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, uh, in terms of the education around defunding policies, I think that specific demands or a return to specific demands by the protesters in terms of like using actual numbers in terms of wanting to defund would probably be beneficial. Back in June of 2020, when all this started, I wrote an article uh, that was kind of about how Milwaukee responded in terms of police violence to the protests and community task force and Vaughn Mays and all those guys had their press conference, uh, had a press conference. And one of their demands was a $75 million divestment from MPD and reinvestment in building healthy communities specifically 50 million to be allocated to public health and 25 million to housing cooperatives. Uh, that's very specific, you know. So uh, that 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 aspect of some of the wants of the people are kind of uh, sometimes lacking, you know. Not even sometimes. I mean, that you can't get more specific than that, and it. I, it didn't even probably go anywhere, right? It, didn't even go, it was a non-starter. And this is from people who are 
from directly impacting communities. They know how to, to solve the problem. And it's not more police, right? And But yet you have people in power not listening because it's not advantageous or it's an inconvenience for them to actually advocate for things that might go at the institutions that currently control everything, you know? Um, for me, when I think about like last year, this year and some of the demands that people have asked for and then didn't get, it's, it's a huge frustration because again, all the mobilization and the people power and it resulted in us still having conversations around the most basic of things, right? And how do we get folks, and I think what you went to, Joanna, is so true is we need that political education because I know from my experience as an organizer, if you go knock on, you can knock on doors up and down the block and you ask them what's the top three issues, they, it's always gonna be safety is gonna be in the top three. And you ask people in the community, what do they wanna see around safety? They're gonna say more police. That's mm -hmm. because they, that's all they know. And we have mm -hmm. really yep. institutions and alternatives to show them something different. And we really need to get down the community and start building those things and that will reflect what we are calling for, for people to be comfortable with it and get education around it as well. And yeah. at the same time, if you ask our community, like, do they feel harm from police enforcement, right? Like, do they feel safe? You know, there's still the, these, like, they know that I don't necessarily feel safe when law enforcement is present, but they do not believe the answer is defunding, yeah. right? And and so, so late, our, it's like our community completely gets it. But then again, it's like they don't, they don't, we don't talk about the strategy, right? And that's the education piece that's missing. And I think, oh, that just takes me back to like elections, like when they try to run these bogus candidates in our communities that, you know, don't have a plan, don't have an agenda. And they think that they can just run on, you know, a couple of words, you know, some quick sayings or something uh, and not have a real plan and not think that we are going to, you know, do our research enough to know, like, you're whack and you don't have a real a you're real plan to, to increase public safety here in my community yeah, uh, and then they really wonder why principles. we don't go vote yeah right right and I, I just wanted to add really really quickly too that like you know part of you know when you talk about defunding part of part of that conversation also has to be a, a realization of what is all there in terms of the police department. So in terms of defund, you have to understand what's all there. And after the Milwaukee Police Department kind of had their tear gassing fit, you know, uh, in the early days of the protests, so then they stopped. If you remember, the city did do, uh, the Alders did organize kind of like a uh, review, not a review, like a, like a pub, like a meeting about the militarized military gear, quote unquote, you know, and, and that is an example of chess play in terms of local politics because in, in, in that sense the police uh they kind of and i've talked to aldermen about it you know they kind of look at it as okay well we'll 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 uh give you the armored vehicles and you know like in terms of talking about this or having an open discussion about it we'll 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 talk about the armored vehicles we'll talk about the tear gas we'll talk about the helmets we're not going to talk to you about stingray we're not going to talk to you about how many wiretaps we've done this year we've not we're mm -hmm. uh not even in closed session are we going to talk to you about that stuff and you know part of it depends on the aldermen themselves knowing enough a lot of the aldermen do not know uh the full even a, a broad scope of kind of what the department's capabilities are and 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 what their activities might be it's, it's chess play and to defund you also have to 
almost audit and be like, this is everything we have. This is everything we do. And what, what, what do you chip away at now? I mean, that is such a sad uh, statement around our, our uh, current government if they don't understand or know what's going on with the police. But we're asking them to be creative. <laughs> How can you be creative if you don't know what you don't know, right? Uh, you know, again, it's just really important for us to go back in the community and do that community and political education around this, right? We can't speak in jargon to one another and talk about community policing. And when we go to a door, nobody know what that means, right? Yeah, right? And, then, and I think you said it earlier, you said defund the police. People might be against it, but they don't even know what they're against because we haven't done a proper job of explaining at a mass scale what is defunding the police. So of course they're gonna just fall back into what's comfortable and what they know, even if it, they know how bad their interactions are. So I think part of it is on us to go out there and do the organizing and education and get the community to understand that this is uh, not only a necessary alternative, but it's something that we can do and it's possible. All right, so we're back. Uh, had to take a quick break there with um, Rafi just ending off that last segment. Um, but, you know, Rafi, I, I just, you know, I, th- I think that you're absolutely right that, um, you know, the responsibility is on us as organizers, right? And as people in our community, because we know that we cannot wait for our elected officials, right? Like we know we can't wait for state government. We know we can't wait for federal government. We know we can't wait for local governments. Um, and we know that we have the power, right? And so, you know, I think that that's why we've been in organizing for so long is that we know what can come out of organizing, right? Within our community, we know what can come out of like this political education. Um, and so, I, you know, and I think that that's like what I remember in the first segment when we were talking about, you know, the protests within this last year, all these new leaders we saw, right? Um, and so I, I see... I see the the results of of our work coming through, right? Bringing in new folks, um, engaging our youth, um, you know, just getting more people active. Um, And I think that that's just, it's going to be good for us to get out there, um, you know, when when we can, right? Like start safely knocking on doors, which I know that's already going to be part of our plan at Citizen Action. Um, And like our Northside Rising co-op, we want to get out there and start talking to people, actually having these conversations at the door and providing this political education, because that's where it's going to happen. And you're right, uh, Joanna, that's such an important part that this last year, you know, um, post the George Floyd movement, and it it has politicized a lot of people, right? A lot of people were politicized in this moment. And it was a lot of uh, reasons why we couldn't effectively go do the proper, you know, community organizing because we've been under COVID and you can't go door to door. You can't have those one-on-one conversations. Not everybody can sit on the Zoom or have that access to technology to do that. So yeah. you're right. This is a great opportunity for us to follow up and get and dig deep in the community. And you have people who know, right? At least heard some of the things, right? At least heard uh, community policing. They at least heard defunding the police. And this is a perfect opportunity, especially what we're trying to do with Northside Rising to go out there, not to just educate them around community policing, but all the other things that affect them, right? I, I'm the climate and equity director here in uh, at Citizen Action. How much and how important climate is, right? 
and environmental justice is to our community. That's something that we can actually lean into. So I, I'm looking forward to re-engaging people, going out there in the community and having those one-on-ones because I know I have an audience that's captive and they're ready for what we got to offer. It's just time for us to do the, the deep organizing that's necessary to you know, get the big things that we want, big bold things we want. Yeah, and building off of what Ralphie said, well, one thing Ralphie said in the last segment about the notion of, of uh, elected officials being more creative or needing to be more creative with some of these policies. I think that um, uh, when you look at the, the grassroots level and when, when you look at um, these, you know, the people who we kind of generically refer to as protesters, sometimes these are really just a collection of residents who care a lot about mm-hmm. particular issues and they're evolving. You know, I think that over 2020, you saw, uh, you know, everything gets better with, uh, with uh, repetition. You know, uh, and um, you saw a lot of rep- and uh, the protests, you know, the movement in uh, Milwaukee and et cetera, got a lot of reps in during 2020. Right. So everything from the car caravans, how that works, how the traffic works uh, in terms of walking in the streets to diversifying their tactics. So now they're going to the cap. They're planning to go, you know, like like they go to the Capitol and they push for certain bills. They do uh sit-ins and occupies and stuff some of them some some of them are even thinking about running for office even you know on on specific platforms so the grassroots residents organizing that is kind of diversifying and evolving it's the responses that trickle up the ladder in terms of all the way up to the legislature uh, legislature which sometimes gets a little uh clouded and i think uh, one more thing, you know, with the community policing uh, thing, uh, part of the one one reason why things like bipartisan bills and et cetera are, I think, important or, or are worthwhile is that it provides it starts that kind of conversation, you know, which may be a difficult conversation for, quote unquote, two ends of an aisle, you know, a political aisle to uh, to uh, kind of find middle ground. in. so I think that. Uh, community, you know, minority communities in Milwaukee may look at community policing in one particular way, or public or community public safety policies in in a particular way. Go go to some of the GOP bills; they literally see cops grants, community oriented policing, literally cops, cops grants, and cops houses as community orient as community policing strategies. You know, so the vision is different perspective is different so that conversation needs to happen in order to coalesce this stuff you know yeah and i'm down with those folks getting wanting to run for office right like we (laughs) as citizens i'm getting ready to launch this movement politics academy that wants to work and develop um leaders to run for political office you know at all levels of government right we know that local government is just as important as federal and state, right? We need new school boards, city council, county supervisors, right? Like we need folks that are willing and wanting to, you know, take on the conversations and actions of like real structural change, right? We, we need something new. We need candidates that are willing to, are, we need candidates that aren't aren't gonna say, you know, I gotta make sure that my platform, um, you know, is palatable to to the moderates or you know right. to the swing voters. Um, I'm so over that narrative. Um, and so yeah, folks that are looking to run for elected office, hit me up. 
connect with me, Joanna B at citizenactionwi.org. Uh, let's link up. I'll tell you about the Movement Politics Academy. <laughs> See how I can support you. I mean, at the heart of all this, and definitely follow up with Joanna and get down and run for office. Um, but at the heart of this is uh, we just need to be better organized, right? Um, part of the lack or the lack of uh, what is that you said, uh, politicians need to be more creative is also they just respond to a different set of power, right? The police union is way more powerful <laughs> and it scares the politicians way more than our current organizing does right yeah and, and one of these bills real. does focus on one of these bills does focus on the police union too right right so we need to get to the point where we've built enough power that when they have a choice between what the people are recommending uh, recommending and what the police are recommending recommending then they listen to the people and we got it that's for me that's the most crucial part of what we do over the next you know over the next year, over the next decade, whatever, is building that power. So when policies comes up or people introduce policy, they know they have to answer to someone. And I think currently uh, they feel like they got to answer to the police union, the police, all this, but they don't have to answer to the people. And that's going to just take us doing that organizing and getting people educated on the issues and uh, out there mobilizing, activating in the streets, demanding the things that we all know that uh, will address the problem properly. Yeah, and in terms of in, in terms of that organizing, kind of that attentiveness to the issues, um, uh, Ralphie, I wanted to ask you really quickly, uh, what 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 are what's your take on some of the ARPA funding coming in? I mean, the ARPA funding is uh, four hundred million dollars is coming to the city of Milwaukee from the federal government, and right now we're in the process of trying to figure out what's the best way to uh, distribute the money. And look, I'm uh, on the Milwaukee City County Task Force on Climate and Equity, and we really think this is a great opportunity to take that funding and invest it into our green jobs of the future, right? Part of the problem, and I don't know, we don't have the time for it, but it's a conversation about a lot of the, the issues we have today currently is a direct result of deindustrialization and what the city used to be and how all the good jobs went away. And now we're two or three generations into that loss of industry in the city. So what we want to do and our big goal is to bring that back. And this ARPA funding can be used to do that, right? To invest in green technology in the future and the green jobs of the future. But not just that. I mean, that's just one aspect. We want this funding to go to the people and really hear from the people and see what the people really want and get invested in that. And not just use the money to cover pension funds or cover the police uh, salaries. We don't want that. We wanted it to go resource to go directly to the people. So this is a huge opportunity in the city. So yeah, yeah, get involved. Yeah, and in terms of paying attention really quickly, I uh, just a little pitch. Uh, uh, either tomorrow or the next day, uh, the examiner is going to come out with a story about a bill that focuses on focuses on pen registers and trap and trace devices, which are surveillance tools that the police use. And the bill hopes to expand their definitions to include social media communications and also kind of uh, provide more options to filing court orders for set devices. So, you know, obviously there's not a lot of time to talk about that, but you, you know, you can read more about it tomorrow, but this is another one of these lower key bills that didn't even like, like that at a public hearing, but that wasn't recorded or anything. It was a really low key kind of slipped through the cracks kind of bill literally last week. So it's important to pay attention.
Absolutely. And I think at this podcast, we really want to use our platform to provide opportunities and options for our listeners and the community to get involved and join the conversation. You know, these policies, this legislation is impacting our lives, the lives that we have to live every single day. It makes 100% sense that we are at the table of par- and, and participating in these conversations. Um, and so with that, we got to wrap up our second episode. This has been such a great conversation. I love chatting with you guys. Isaiah and Rafi, y'all are dope as hell. Um, Thank you. We're all doing really great work in this community. You know, keep listening. We're a bi-weekly show. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Share Any with last your friends. words, guys? Share with your friends. Get organized. <laughs> yeah, get organized. Reach out to an organizer and get organized. There you go. Get organized. We'll see y'all in two weeks. Peace.